0: You are listening to an Elftree Publishing Podcast. Our elves have been hard at work in search for meaningful and compelling content, so we hope you enjoy this show. And now, for our future presentation. Enjoy. Featuring free-spirited conversation to help build a better future for generations to come. This is Elftree Publishing.
1: part about that was is that they were using the Facebook payment system they were using other means of getting currency and they would have a horrific video such as the video of the pig and the girl and people would actually bet an auction on how much how much money so they could get the full video and then that person that made the original video would also take requests from others and make content specialized to tailor, tailored to them. So that, that's what I dealt with. And a lot of these, this type of content that was homemade by the parents.
2: Run. Run. Planet Earth,
1: about to be recycled. Your only chance To evacuate is to leave with us, is to leave with us.
0: From leaving behind the world of bioterrorism to off-the-grid and independent living, you're listening to Exit the Cult. Friday, everyone. I'm your host, Joe Morales, and you're listening to Exit the Cult, a podcast dedicated to exposing the lies of the mainstream media to help others wake up to the truth. Let's exit the cult together. It's October 8th, 2021. Welcome to the show, you guys. This is awesome. I am happy you're here. I'm happy uh, it's Friday. Obviously, the weekend is, well, it's now upon us. I love Fridays because I feel like my neighborhood in particular starts to pick up. There's always parties going on and I live up on a hill so I can hear kind of all the different parties that are going on and it just makes me feel good. I feel like everyone's in a little more of a joyous mood. And then Sunday, everyone kind of gets back in that lull of like, oh shit, got to go back to work or school. And so things quiet down on Sunday nights. So let's get into our cult for the day, Jonestown. The Jonestown Massacre occurred on November 18, 1978, when more than 900 members of an American cult called the People's Temple died in a mass suicide murder under the direction of their leader, Jim Jones. It took place at the so-called Jonestown Settlement in the South American nation of Guyana. Jones had founded what became the People's Temple in Indiana in the 1950s, then relocated his congregation to California in the 1960s. In the 1970s, following negative media attention, the powerful, controlling preacher moved with some 1,000 of his followers to the Guyanese jungle, where he promised they would establish a utopian community. On November 18, 1978, U.S. Representative Leo Ryan, who had gone to Jonestown to investigate claims of abuse, was murdered along with four members of his delegation. That same day, Jones ordered his followers to ingest poison-laced punch while armed guards stood by wonder what those armed guards did. Were they just like, (laughs) once it was done, were they just kind of like, so, uh, you guys want to go get lunch? I mean, you guys want to go get some soup and a salad somewhere? What are we going to do? Should we just leave these bodies? Let's throw some banana leaves over them. Prior to the terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001, the tragedy at Jonestown marked the single largest loss of U.S. civilian lives in a non-natural disaster. The megalomaniacal man behind this tragedy, Jim Jones, came from humble beginnings. Jones was born on May 31st, 1931, in rural Indiana. In the early 1950s, he began working as a self-ordained Christian minister in, a sm- in small churches around Indianapolis. In order to raise money to start a church of his own, the charismatic Jones tried various ventures, including selling live monkeys door-to-door. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting uh, job venture. Can you imagine? Trying to wrangle that shit? You're like opening the back door of your van and monkeys jumping out everywhere, and you're like, Jesus Christ. Trying to be all put together when you knock on the first door. Monkey throwing his feces in your face. Jones opened his First People's Temple Church in Indianapolis in the mid 1950s. His congregation was racially integrated, something unusual at the time for a Midwestern church. In the mid 1960s, Jones moved his small congregation to Northern California, settling first in Redwood Valley in Mendocino County. In the early 1970s, the ambitious preacher relocated his organization's headquarters to San Francisco and also opened a temple in Los Angeles. In San Francisco, Jones became a powerful figure. He curried favor with public officials and the media, donated money to numerous charitable causes, and delivered votes for various politicians at election time. People's Temple ran social and medical programs for the needy, including a free dining hall, drug rehabilitation, and legal aid services. I mean, it sounds like a nice thing, you know. Always starts out with good intentions, right? Right? This motherfucker was selling monkeys. Jones's message of social equality and racial justice attracted a diverse group of followers, including idealistic young people who wanted to do something meaningful with their lives. As Jones's congregation grew, Estimates of the group's size vary. A 1977 expose by New West magazine put the number of People's Temple members at 20,000. Negative reports began to surface about the man referred to as father by his followers. Former members described being forced to give up their belongings, homes, and even custody of their children. Creepy! They told of being subjected to beatings and said Jones staged fake cancer healings. Faced with unflattering media attention and mounting investigations, the increasingly paranoid Jones, who often wore dark sunglasses and traveled with bodyguards, invited his congregation to move with him to Guyana, where he promised them they would build a socialist utopia. Well, there you go. That's your problem right there. That's your problem right there. It wasn't the monkeys. In 1974, a small group of Jones's followers went to Guyana to establish an agricultural cooperative on a tract of jungle in the tiny nation of Guyana. Guyana, which gained its independence from Great Britain in 1966, is the only country in South America with English as its official language. I did not know that. And now I do. And now we do, right? We're all learning together. In 1977, Jones and more than a thousand temple members joined them and moved to Guyana. However, Jonestown did not turn out to be the paradise their leader had promised. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. Temple members worked long days in the fields and were subjected to harsh punishments if they questioned Jones' authority. Their passports and medications were confiscated and they were plagued by mosquitoes and tropical diseases. Armed guards patrolled the jungle compound. Members were encouraged to inform on one another and were forced to attend lengthy late night meetings. Their letters and phone calls were censored. Oh, sounds like 2021. 2021, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. Jones, who by then was in declining mental health and addicted to drugs, had his own throne in the compound's main pavilion and compared himself to Vladimir Lenin and Jesus Christ. He was convinced that the government and the media and others were out to destroy him. He also required People's Temple members to participate in mock suicide drills in the middle of the night. Okay, there's your first alarm. That's when I would be like, um, maybe I'm not going to stay in this in this uh, cult anymore. Leo Ryan, a U.S. representative from California, heard... From some of his constituents that their family members were people being held against their will at Jonestown and decided to go there to investigate. Ryan arrived in Guyana in November 1978 with a delegation that included news reporters and photographers along with concerned relatives of some of the people's temple members. On November 17, the congressmen and reporters were welcomed to the Jonestown compound to their surprise with a dinner and evening of entertainment. Jones even agreed to meet with reporters. However, during the visit, some People's Temple members asked Ryan's group to help them get out of Jonestown. On November 18th, Ryan and his group, which also included a small contingent of People's Temple defectors, left Jonestown. While waiting at a nearby jungle airstrip, they were ambushed by gunmen sent by Jim Jones. Ryan was killed along with a reporter and cameraman from NBC, a photographer from the San Francisco Examiner, and a female People's Temple member who was attempting to leave. The same day as the murderers at the airstrip, Jones told his followers that soldiers would come for them and torture them. He ordered everyone to gather in the main pavilion and commit what he termed a, quote, revolutionary act, end quote. The youngest members of the people's temple were first to die as parents and nurses used syringes to drop a potent mix of cyanide sedatives and powdered fruit juice into children's throats. Psychopaths! Man. Jones had reportedly obtained a jeweler's license at some earlier point, which enabled him to stockpile cyanide. Adults then lined up to drink the poison-laced concoction while armed guards surrounded the pavilion. This horrific event is the source of the phrase, quote, drinking the Kool-Aid, end quote. When Guyanese officials arrived at the Jonestown compound the next day, they found it carpeted with hundreds of bodies. Many people had perished with their arms around each other, Jim Jones, age 47, was found in a chair, dead from a single bullet wound to the head, most likely self-inflicted. Oh, so he doesn't even drink the Kool-Aid. He had to blow his own brains out. He's like, I'm not going to drink that shit. The death toll at Jonestown on November 18th, 1978 was 909 people, a third of them children. A few people managed to escape into the jungle that day, while at least several dozen more people, it's probably the the freaking armed security guards. While at least several dozen more people's temple members, including several of Jones's sons, were in another part of Guyana at the time, in total, only 33 survived, the magical 33 Illuminati number. A terrifying recording of the event, known as the Death Tape, helped investigators understand what happened that night.
3: How very much I've loved you. How very much I've tried my best to give you a good life. But in spite of all of what I've tried a handful of our people with their lives have made our life impossible. There's no way to detach ourselves from what's happened today. Not only we're in a compound situation, not only are there those who have left and committed the betrayal of the century, Some have stolen children from others, and they're in pursuit right now to kill them because they stole their children. And we we are sitting here waiting on a powder keg. I don't think this is what we want to do with our babies. I don't think that's what we had in mind to do with our babies. It was said by the greatest of prophets from time immemorial, no man takes my life from me, I lay my life down. Researchers also found over 1000
0: recordings of propaganda, conversations and sermons that painted a gruesome picture of the activities of the People's Temple. Holy cow. You guys, note to self, don't drink the Kool-Aid. You are listening, listening to, Exit to Exit the Cult. The Cult. Only, Only on Elf Tree Publishing. Publishing. Enjoy. 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 Enjoy, hey, enjoy, hey you, enjoy, enjoy, hey, hey you, yeah you, enjoy, yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> yes, you, <laughs> enjoy. <Hey. laughs> From Rolling Stone Magazine, Tears for Fears returned for first album in 17 years. 17 years after Tears for Fears last released an album of new music, the beloved band behind Head Over Heels' Shout and Everybody Wants to Rule the World, the song you're listening to now, will return in 2022 with The Tipping Point. Ahead of the LP's arrival on February 25th via Concord Records, Tears for Fears founding members Roland Orzabal and Kurt Smith also shared the first single and title track, The Tipping Point, which, like the album, was inspired by a series of professional and personal tipping points in the years following their last album, 2004's Everybody Loves a Happy Ending. (laughs) What does that mean? For Orzabal, that point was influenced by the death of his wife Caroline in 2017. Quote, It came at a time when my late wife was very ill. I was watching her become a ghost of her former self. So the song's narrator is in a hospital ward looking at people about to cross the threshold that we call death. The line in the song says, will you ever know when it's the tipping point? Meaning, will you ever know when a person has crossed that threshold from life to death, when you cannot even perceive that vague and distant void as it's described in the lyric. I have to admit that even in March, 2016, when I was read the riot act by doctors about Caroline, possibly not making it through the weekend, I was still in denial. I think that when you've been close to someone for decades, they are living within you as well as without. And consciously, I did not believe she would die. Though subconsciously, I was without a doubt preparing for the inevitable, arming myself against the future shock. The song itself was built out of a haunting backing track idea created by the band's co producer and longtime touring member, Charlton Pettis. He blended a couple of trademark themes, twisted the time signature, and left me to sort out the rest, Orsball says. Tears for Fears hadn't intended to take such a long break between albums, quote, I would say life and geography got in the way, in quote, Smith tells Rolling Stone, adding that while the band still toured frequently, they didn't want to be a helicopter parents to their then young children. When it finally came time to make a new album a few years ago, as the duo notes, they were encouraged by previous management to work with an army of today's hit makers, each of whom tried to recreate a Tears for Fears classic. The sessions were an epic disaster, the band admits, and... It was another tipping point. Quote, We went along with the process and amassed a lot of up-tempo attempts at hit singles. I like a lot of them, but when configured into an album, they were tiring to listen to. There was no artistry, no dynamics, no personality to the album. End quote. Instead, Smith and Orzabal did something they hadn't done since they were teens. They sat in a room, acoustic guitars in hand, and started making music. The result, opening track, No Small Thing, is what the band cites as the catalyst that sparked the tipping point. However, some songs from the failed collaborative sessions found Second Life on The Tipping Point. That's amazing. Good for them. I love Tears for Fears. I grew up listening to them. Everybody loves, everybody wants to rule the world. Was a uh, huge hit when I was in a band called Spaceman Spiff. We used to play that shit live and it was always a blast. So hats off to you guys. Tears for Fears. Looking forward to it. The Tipping Point. It is a 13 or it's a 10 track album. And then if you get the deluxe, it has three extra songs. That will be out February 25th, so look for it. So in the news this week, there was a school shooting at a Texas high school. And from the New York Post, suspected Texas high school gunman released on bail one day after teacher and students shot. The Texas student who allegedly opened fire at his high school, injuring four people, including a teacher, was sprung from jail on Thursday afternoon as an attorney who joined him by his side insisted that the case wasn't a, quote, standard issue school shooting, end quote. Timothy George Simpkins, 18, who attends Timberview High School in Arlington, will report to home confinement after he posted $75,000 bond at a Tarrant County jail. Simkins, who was wearing a blue baseball cap and graphic T-shirt, didn't answer questions from reporters as he was escorted from the jailhouse by two relatives into the back seat of a white Mercedes sedan. As part of the conditions of his release, he will also have to submit a drug and alcohol testing and wear a GPS monitoring device. Civil rights attorney Kim T. Cole, who spoke on behalf of the family, blasted reporters outside the jail for portraying the dangerous incident as a quote standard issue school shooting. There are numerous school shootings that have occurred across this country, which are tragic. All school shootings are tragic. However, in this situation, this was not someone who was just out to go and shoot a school and had made up their mind. You know, hey, I'm upset and I'm just going to shoot anyone I see. That was not the situation here. So I request the media correct their narrative with regard to what happened and that you all respect the family's privacy. End quote. A family spokeswoman has claimed that he acted out of self-defense after being robbed and targeted by bullies. Footage on social media allegedly showed Simpkins getting into an altercation during class with another student that escalated to gunfire Wednesday. The fight was broken up and the two students calmed down, but then Simpkins pulled out his firearm from his orange backpack and fired several shots that struck three people, according to an arrest warrant Thursday. So apparently he didn't calm down. Kelvin Pettit, a 25-year-old English teacher who jumped in to break up the fight, was shot in the back, suffering broken ribs and a collapsed lung, according to the police and his family. The other victims were identified as Zacchaeus, Selby, Iamof Alewepo, and Parisa... Oh, Fucking these names. Police have said a 15-year-old boy was in critical condition while a teenage girl who was grazed by a bullet had been discharged from the hospital. The fourth victim, a pregnant woman, was injured in a fall during the shooting but received medical care on scene, police said. Simpkins was charged with three counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Incredible. I mean, fair enough that the family and, and his representatives and lawyers and all these people are wanting to correct the record and let the media know this was not a kid showing up to school to just take people down. This was an altercation that happened at school. He pulled a gun. And shot some people. It's bizarre times when you can pull a gun out at school, shoot some people, post bail, put an ankle bracelet on, and play video games at home until your trial. So I guess if there is a silver lining, it's that this wasn't an actual school shooting, massacre Columbine style, Sandy Hook style. And I guess because of that, that's a good thing? It's a good thing. So I came across this video of some high school girls from the UK discussing the COVID jabs. And uh, to be quite honest, it gives me hope for humanity. It really does. They know what's up. They know coercion is never the way. Would
4: you say it's like the majority feel your way?
5: Pretty much, yeah. I'd say everyone would agree with us, but because of the society saying, oh, you have to do it... saying you have to get the job. Jam-
0: other quick headlines from the New York Post. Woody Harrelson punches man in self-defense in altercation at Watergate Hotel. According to an incident report obtained by Page Six, police were called to the famous hotel around 11 p.m. Wednesday night when Harrelson reported the incident. Bobby Flay, he's cutting ties with the Food Network after 27 years. A source close to Food Network explained to the publication that the decision has been made to move on as the sides were far apart on financial terms, he wants that money, and they're like, mm, "You're no, you're no longer the Bobby Flay of the past. We can pay you less." And he's like, "Less?
2: Nay." going to a different place, which is a new normal. 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 New normal. Embrace the new
6: normal. The
7: new normal. The new normal.
6: The new normal. New normal. This new normal is going to look very, very different.
7: We will transition into the new normal. This will be the new normal until a vaccine is developed. There's nobody coming to save you. There's no Christ figure coming to save you. The ETs aren't coming to save you. It's up to us. We have to pay attention to what's going on. We have to realize that all of the schism and all of the problems that have been created on this planet are our problems. And only we can deal with them because it is only we who have allowed them to happen. We've allowed them to happen because we got distracted.
0: Welcome back to Exit the Cult. So this week, Project Veritas is after it again. They have another Pfizer whistleblower leaking exec emails, basically talking about them hiding the fact that they uh, use aborted fetal cells in their jabs. But Project Veritas put out this incredible video that is informing the public because the public needs to be informed because you cannot give consent unless you
6: are. Why did you decide to come to Project Veritas?
8: I felt it was the right thing to do. I feel like I have no one else to turn to when my own company won't be honest with me. I just didn't know who else to turn to.
6: And here we have your badge. You are an employee of Pfizer? Yes. And where, where exactly do you work?
8: I work at the McPherson, Kansas plant. It's one of the biggest plants in the operation of Pfizer we produce some of the most units. We handle the product daily. Uh, quality gets to see the process from fill to pack so we see everything. How long have you worked there? Uh, going on ten years but I've been in quality
6: for five. Tell us about what you saw that concerned you.
8: Accidentally, honestly, was going to do a Google search on our uh, computer implant and I must have clicked the wrong box on our home page and searched in our database instead And I saw reports of what I had searched for, and I'd click them, and then I realized that they were internal documents on our internal Pfizer
6: database. In this database, you came across a chain of emails discussing fetal tissue and the COVID vaccine. Tell us about that. What was troubling to me was they
8: were wanting to keep it under wraps. They didn't really want the information out there that they were using the um, hex cells um, to do the study. Um, they're being so deceptive in their emails, it's almost like it is in the final vaccine. Um, they're just being really deceptive and they're being careful with their words and it just made me not trust it.
6: Vanessa Gelman, who works in Washington, D.C., is Senior Director of Worldwide Research. advocates talking to Vanessa and says, um, the question came up as an inquiry to our Medinfo group. They're asking, quote, did Pfizer make use of a cell line from an aborted fetus when carrying out any tests. This is after we'd already confirmed with the customer that no cell lines from an aborted fetus were used. Vanessa wrote, February 4th of this year, thanks so much, who is this information for? We have been trying as much as possible to not mention the fetal cell lines, so we would really like to stay focused on the first part if possible. This is what we have said most recently through inquiries received via our board of directors and through direct emails to Michael Dolston. The piece in yellow we have tried really hard to not share unless it's strictly necessary and mission critical.
8: The acceptable phrase you're allowed to say is the human fetal derived cell lines are not used to produce our investigational vaccine, which consists of synthetic and enzymatically produced components. But then they want you to leave out the highlighted part, which is the one or more cell lines with an origin that can be traced back to human fetal tissue has been used in laboratory tests associated with the vaccine program.
6: I mean, this is pretty, they're trying to keep this secret from the public?
8: they don't want to stir up a mess they don't want to have to deal with people who are upset because i think people can use religious exemptions for it and they don't want that i think they want uh, to nobody to have an excuse
6: to not get it they've used cells from aborted fetuses yes and they don't want the public to know that yes and and that that's staggering for society because of what you said religious exemptions Mm -hmm. and they're denying our religious exemptions at pfizer and this could change that because people who have religious views that Mm -hmm. certainly changes the game doesn't it? Yes. These are powerful people and a very powerful company.
8: They're withholding knowledge on people's approval if they can consent or not.
6: This is Philip Dormitzer, Vice President Chief Scientific Officer copying Vanessa Gelman we have an approved answer to this question the question being about fetal tissue Mm -hmm. which Vanessa can probably provide H-E-K-2932, what does that mean, Heck cells?
8: Uh, Human embryo kidney cells, and it was from experiment 293.
6: On the other hand, the Vatican Doctrinal Committee has confirmed that they consider it acceptable for pro-life believers to be immunized.
8: He's basically saying, why don't we just say it, the Vatican's already said that they have no excuse to not take it if it's Mm -hmm. in there. Like, he's like, why aren't we just, you know, being honest, kind of things, how I read it. So what's
6: one. the difference between this approved answer, hex cells used or IV are ultimately derived from the border fetus, and the other one they're trying to keep secret?
8: Well, it's almost like they are doing a script. They're sticking mm-hmm. to a script, like we've had this approved, this verbiage is approved, so this is what we need to stick to, when rather they should just be making it as clear and easy to understand for the population so that they can make informed decisions on this.
6: You're showing us emails between the Vice President of Pfizer, the Senior Director of Worldwide Research, Mm -hmm. about how to couch it a certain way, because we would not want to tell the people that it can be traced back to human fetal tissue. We have tried really hard to not share, quote, one or more cell lines back to human fetal tissue. From Vanessa Gelman to the Vice President of Pfizer,
8: a lot of people go to medical information, so I would prefer if possible we respond with what we have consistently said. We wouldn't like to have any inconsistency out there, particularly with information that has been shared with policymakers makers and the media. So what I gathered from this was We've already made a statement, we have to stick to that. We can't stray because it'll make us look bad. This
6: is the principal scientist in Massachusetts, and what happens here?
8: Uh, she's just making sure, you know, uh, just be clear, you would like medical information to reply with the text in red below, including the highlighted section. Okay. Thanks again. And then they responded, responded with the,
6: with? No, I would prefer that we do not use <laughs> the text in yellow.
8: No, do, don't be that honest, just a
6: little honest. Vanessa Gelman is sending this note saying, she does really not want you to, to know mm-hmm. that they're using More uh, than one. cell lines from human fetal tissue. I received last night a similar request via Laura Payne. So there are multiple executives in Pfizer asking Vanessa Gelman. So they just can't be honest with us. There's something that Vanessa says involving the Facebook campaign.
8: I completely understand, but I just want to make sure we are responding to a legitimate request and not to a request that may ignite a Facebook campaign on this that we may ultimately need to manage. They don't want people making awareness, I guess, of what they're doing. They're
6: afraid (laughs) of the people being aware of this. Yeah. And it really, this one's interesting because it shows you that they ultimately fear the people on social media knowing this. Mm -hmm. It's almost like this is what they fear the most.
8: Yeah. They want people to take their vaccine.
6: Yeah. Right. It's interesting that that Facebook too is censoring anything that's critical of this vaccine
8: and factual. Like uh, when I'm an employee and I make an opinion, I get fact checked. I mean, this <laughs> this
6: very interview will may be censored or banned. They're probably going to label these screenshots of the vice president to chief scientist advisor and your comments as misinformation. And your response to them is,
8: I've worked there ten years. I've been trained there. Uh, there's no way uh... i know the process i love my job i know my training uh...
6: this message from vanessa Gilman, see-seeing all these executives what 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 are we looking at here
8: she just says things like thanks so much for everybody for keeping us in on the loop from the perspective of corporate affairs we want to avoid having the information on the fetal cell lines floating out there as you can all appreciate we are communicating on this vaccine across multiple fronts and managing issues that arise In this heated environment of heightened scrutiny on every detail of our vaccine, we would like to avoid creating an opportunity to raise an issue. We believe that the risk of communicating this right now outweighs any potential benefit that we could see, particularly with general members of the public who may take this information and use it in ways we may not want it out there. We have not received any questions from policymakers or media on this issue in the last few weeks, so we want to avoid raising this if
6: possible. Wow. We believe that the risk of communicating this right now outweighs any potential benefit we could see. They ought to put that on American currency. That's the final decision from Phil Dormitzer.
8: The statement has, has been, been extensively, extensively vetted. vetted.
6: Best, Phil Dormitzer, Vice President there was an issue with the fda and windows being being grayed out
8: my last day there um, i took a mental health leave of absence after this from my job because i was sickened and traumatized from a lot of the things that i realized were going on it really upset me and it shook me i could not believe that they were blacking out windows down in our manufacturing rooms why would
6: they want to do that
8: well I was wondering that as well especially because they're rooms that there's no need for that like where they tell us you know make sure you can be seen at all times for integrity purposes you know and so when I saw they were blacking out windows in group lead offices and in uh, unoccupied fill rooms I thought it was odd so I raised it to in someone in AQ which is aseptic quality and I said hey do you know why they're blacking out windows down in manufacturing and he said well, the FDA is coming.
6: So, you know, I have a friend who, you know, says, I don't know why everyone's making this so political, it's science, you know, people are so divided on this issue. What, what do you say to the people who are pro-vaccine, who are not in the pharmaceutical industry? They're just regular people in New York City who think you got to take that vaccine, stop making it political
8: it shouldn't be political but they're making it political the media and the government's making it political but this isn't about republican democrat or liberal or conservative this is informed consent on injecting something inside of you from a company that's called it a experimental vaccine this is about when you see something that's being done that you don't think is right and exposing it
6: i don't know if anyone's ever done this before i mean I don't see much investigative reporting into Big Pharma, certainly not, not emails from executives. Are you afraid to be a current Pfizer employee blowing the whistle on Pfizer?
8: Yeah, I'm a little anxious and nervous at what they may think or do. Um, I, was, I was really genuinely traumatized and sickened from the things I saw, and I needed to leave there. Um, but I didn't want to quit because I didn't know what to do. I just didn't know what to do, so I just took a leave of absence so that I could gather my thoughts and really kind of heal from this information.
6: You've taken a leave of absence, but the extraordinary act of blowing the whistle on the company and publishing emails from their vice president is another step entirely. Are you, are you afraid of doing this?
8: A little bit, um, but I, I have faith that I'll be protected or whatever the outcome is, is what it's supposed to be. So I'm at peace with it. I'm a little anxious on what they'll do or what they'll say, but it needs to be seen by the people because they're trying to get this to kids. And if they're being this deceptive about it, I don't feel comfortable being silent while they're trying to get it to babies who can't talk.
6: What do you think the reaction will be to this?
8: I pray that it unites us, that we can look and go, what are they doing like why what do they think they're doing to us why do they think that they can just say this to us and make us take something when they're not even honest about what they're doing or what's
6: in it and and your husband here is is on set with us Mm -hmm. i won't mention his name but what does he think about what you're doing
8: when i started to notice some things i'd i'd mention them and he'd say you know well you know don't worry about it you know i'm sure it's nothing and we i work at a pharmaceutical company i'm not an anti-vaxxer Um, I just believe in research and science and stuff like that, and so I was waiting, waiting to get the vaccine, just to see the scientific results, to see how it goes, and once I showed him what I had found, and once I told him what I had found, I got nothing but love and support. Uh,
6: And why didn't you go to the New York Times or uh, the Washington Post, which tagline is, Democracy Dies in Darkness? They seem like they do decent work, and also, why not go to Congress with this information?
8: Well, I've spoken to lawyers, uh, I've spoken to people, and this is what I was told to do, was to trust Project Veritas and to go with you guys by lawmakers, by lawyers. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Whistleblower lawyers told me that some things are better leaked to the media than doing it the other way. I think this just needs to get out there so that people can realize we're being deceived
6: lawyers told you to come to Veritas, Yes. whistleblower people told you yeah. to come to Veritas. They
8: said if I go the route with them, the lo- the lawyers, it could be three, three years before this comes out. And that was from someone in the DOJ.
6: So the DOJ individual told yes. you to do that? Under mm-hmm. the Biden administration?
8: Uh, he was in there 17 years. He's not uh. there now, but he was for 17 years and he advised that I bring this to you guys because it could take years and if they're trying to get this to kids soon, it's just it's not going to be enough
6: time. Is there oh. anything else you want to say? On the record, there's going to be millions of people that watch this.
8: I'd like to say something to Pfizer. You guys are very adamant about integrity and making sure that things are done right and that things are always double-checked. But I'm just one person, one face of many of your employees who are willing to fight this and reveal to the world what's going on. And all we want is for you to be transparent and honest with us and do the right thing.
0: So there you have it. Pfizer is keeping information from the public. And meanwhile, thousands and thousands of people are losing their jobs, frontline workers, people who are being coerced to take the jabs, everyone telling them it's safe and effective. We don't care what your religious exemption is. We don't care if you don't agree with having aborted fetal cells put into your body through a forced vaccination program. That's what's happening. It's very strange. And I think this house of cards really is crumbling because it's becoming so pathetic. So with that, here's Greg Reese with a report called, The Big Banks Are Guilty of Crimes Against Humanity.
7: At this point, anyone who isn't an imbecile or mentally disturbed has figured out that COVID-19 is the biggest fraud of our lifetime. Several nations figured this out months ago and have mandated the life-saving ivermectin protocol with consistently outstanding results. Multiple countries distributed packets to all of their citizens with everything they need to survive the asymptomatic virus with an already 99% survival rate known as SARS-CoV-2. Denmark, Sweden, and Norway have completely reopened and are ready to accept life with this novel asymptomatic virus with a 99% survival rate. And Japan is moving on as well, but not Australia, not the UK, not Canada, and certainly not the USA, where today's global currency is being printed by the privately owned Federal Reserve Banking System, the spearhead of this great reset. Only nations with vibrant free markets and cultures that still value independent freedoms are being targeted by the globalist elite, who instruct their loyal minions to push endless deadly experimental injections and denounce any and all life-saving solutions, such as ivermectin, vitamin C, and even natural immunity. They want death because they want to mandate a vaccine. They want to mandate a vaccine because they want a social credit score. And they want a social credit score because they are planning on resetting the global currency to the digital blockchain. What millions of people in these Western nations under attack would call the mark of the beast, known today as the Chinese social credit system, wherein each citizen is completely reliant upon the government. Absolute tyranny. There is no global pandemic and the only virus that threatens humanity is the big banks, their offshoots, and whomever or whatever they serve. This is quite simply the parasitic top of the global pyramid feeding off all of humanity. A former Vatican bank president has recently warned that the COVID pandemic is nothing but a fraud to bring in the great reset. We reported that this was the case back in March of 2020 because it's happened before. And now, unless we stop them, it's going to happen again. Biden's nominee for comptroller of the currency, Sally Omarova, is a proud communist who wants to end banking as we know it. The worldwide banking cartel, who gets rich off the fractional reserve banking scam and by charging interest on loaning people their own resources, has no problem exterminating anyone opposed to their Great Reset agenda. To the big banks, we are all livestock, chattel. This is greed on its most realized level. They are passing laws to restrict travel and to seize private property. Police and military not willing to go along are being forced out via vaccine mandates. And nurses not going along are being replaced by the military. The system has already been hijacked. No one is coming to save you. The only way out of this mess without losing everything that's worth fighting for is for humanity to stand up and say no. For InfoWars.com, this is Greg Reese.
0: So from LifeSite, News, Seal of Confession Threatened in Wake of French Clerical Sexual Abuse Report. The special report on clerical sex abuse in France from 1950 to 2020 was presented to the French bishops on Wednesday, triggering a shockwave of horror and indignation as the Catholic Church was found guilty by its authors of systemic sexual abuse of minors and vulnerable adults. Systemic both because of the sheer numbers of victims and because of the widespread disregard of victims and unsatisfactory measures taken against known clerical abusers. The report was presented at a press conference at the seat of the French Bishops' Conference in Paris, broadcast live on the French Catholic TV station, KTO. It opened with angry and even vindictive opening speeches by former victims of abuse, one of whom loudly and threateningly hammered home the words, you are going to have to pay for your crimes, to an assembly of bishops and religious who are in all probability in no way responsible for the abuse and hurt that was inflicted on many innocent children over the years. How many? The report claims an estimated 216,000 victims suffered sexual abuse of varying levels of gravity on the part of priests, deacons, and religious during the 70 years assessed at the request of the French Episcopate and religious institutions. This is even over 300,000 when counting lay persons tasked with an ecclesial mission, such as catechism or work with youth clubs, scouts, and the like. It is these numbers that provoked a host of hostile and despondent op-eds in the French press on Wednesday morning. Even the anarchist Daily Liberation, infamous for having published stories favorable to sexual acts between adults and children in the 70s, chose a blaring title for its first page, Pedocriminality, The Church is Unforgivable. So there's that. And also in the news this week... There was a guy named Sean Spiegel who came forward from Facebook. He was a moderator and I came across this video where he describes the horrific shit that is posted on Facebook. If you don't know about this, this is why it is such a big deal for people to start thinking bigger picture here. There is um, an immense amount of powerful people at high places, big tech, the FBI, CIA, there's all these organizations, these alphabet organizations, they call them. They have access to everything. They have access to knowing every criminal network that exists on the planet outside of people, you know, just whispering amongst themselves, living out in a jungle. But these organizations have been tasked to protect people. Well, who are they protecting? They're protecting their masters. And so. Facebook is allowing the most horrific content to be posted and to be kept up on their platform because they want to save their own face. They don't want people to know that they're actually facilitating the most horrendous shit you could ever imagine. So here is Patrick Bet David sitting down with former Facebook moderator Sean Spiegel. In this interview, they talk about his experience working at Facebook as a content moderator and some of the things he saw while working there. This interview is from Valutainment on YouTube, and I do want to give you a little word of warning. It is quite graphic, some of the things that are described here, so this is an interview that I felt was important because of the current times we're living in, and it would best explain to me why the elites at the highest levels would be okay exterminating humanity, and it sounds disturbing to say that, but if we're going to fix this broken ship, we got to know where the problem is. Why do these elites of the world constantly talk about depopulating us like we're a bunch of rats? And I think they assume, I mean, just put yourself in their position where they literally think they're better than everyone else and have some duty to control us the way they do. Yet they are completely and directly responsible for covering up for child sex trafficking, drug trafficking, organ harvesting the most horrific shit you can imagine. In this interview, he even talks about the organ harvesting. This stuff is real, you guys. This isn't some conspiracy theory. This is a dude who saw with his own eyes the things that are going on in this world. And if we don't do something about this, if we don't all start looking at the problem together, instead of just trying to uh, sweep it under the rug or hide it in the closet, we're not going to fix what is plaguing us as a world of human beings who were meant to thrive and live um, in harmony, live in love, live in a state of peace instead of a constant state of hell, which is what we are currently experiencing in the modern day age of existence. So here's the interview. Buckle up.
2: I guest today Sean Spiegel, who was a former Facebook moderator, and we're gonna get down to the bottom of what is going on at Facebook, but the life of a moderator at Facebook. He was there for about six or seven months. It's gonna give you, hopefully, a lot more perspective on what happens on the back end. With that being said, Sean, thank you so much for being a guest on Valuetainment. Thank you very much for having me today. So, Sean, if, if you don't mind, let's just start off with the basics. For the audience who doesn't know what is a Facebook moderator, What is the job of a Facebook moderator?
1: So the general job of a Facebook moderator is you are put into specific queues, as in specific types of content. And for a Facebook moderator, what you are to do is you're to go through this type of content that's given to you. And you're just supposed to go through the policies. You're supposed to action it. And if there's anything out of the ordinary, you would add some notes to it and
2: you would move on. So that would be what a general Facebook moderator does. So so for is there levels to moderators or no? Is there like, a, you know, how you know, level one clearance, level two clearance, level three. Is there anything like that or no? Every moderator, same level.
1: No, no. In fact, there are different levels. It's not specifically levels like one, two, three. It's actually you're broken down into different types of departments. Uh, For most people, you would be in the general queue. That's just people that have the basic knowledge of Facebook, basic area of content. What you're mostly going to see there is just general photos, memes, pictures, nothing that would be out of the ordinary. Uh, Text messages, instant messages, just everything that would be very benign. Uh, For me, as an example, I was actually promoted to the graphic violence and hate speech division. That is a division that actually requires a whole different set of skills. And my title actually went from moderator to social media content analyst as I went through there. Got it. So my title there was social media content analyst. And what I did is I specifically dealt with content that was in the graphic violence. So I dealt with pictures, photos, videos of basically the worst things that you could do to a human or an animal. And I also dealt with a lot of hate speech as well, a lot that had to do in and out of the United States. But to answer your question, the queues are generally regulated depending on what your expertise is if you have a degree in specific areas you're able to focus on but the largest queue the one that most people are in would be the general queue and that's where you'll just see the most benign of content that's where most content goes to if you have a specialty in something if you specialized in an area you would go to some of these different ones, sexual exploitation, sexual solicitation, drugs and
2: firearms, graphic violence, hate speech. Uh, I could go on and on. Got it. So uh, 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 can you unpack what some of the stuff you saw? I mean, you know, sometimes I sit and I let you say I'm going through my newsfeed and I'll see a mother or father beating a six-month-old kid. I'm like, why is this thing here? It's got 52 million views. I'm like, this. What, what's the purpose of leaving this on? Or you'll see some bizarre videos that make zero sense for them to be on, but they have those things up there. What did you see? And I can only imagine as a user what that makes me feel when I walk away. What are some of the things you saw?
1: I saw a lot. The best way to explain it is if you've been to many of these sites, I know some of them are not around anymore, but there were sites such as um, Best Gore, Chaotic with a K, there was the Live Leaks. Um, There were many other sites that I can think of like Hard Candy. And you would have these uh, videos mainly of just these horrific acts that could range from child pedophilia to putting fireworks in a dog's mouth and then them setting it up on fire to um, fathers making their daughters have sex with pigs and then stabbing the pig while the daughter was having sex with the pig. Um, I saw those types of videos day by day. A lot of these had to do with bestiality, abuse against animals. Um, I also specialized in during the summer, it was in China, the dog eating festival. So uh, Facebook allowed these different types of videos and photos up there of people that were cooking, skinning, eating dogs alive, because Facebook said that due to the cultural differences, it would be the equivalent of us having pictures of cows or chickens. So they allowed people to basically just mutilate dogs on live stream, through video, through photos, for the sake of this dog food festival that they have in China every summer.
9: Country that worries me, though. Not, there is one country that worries me, though. Not Iraq, not Iran, not North Korea. The only country that really worries me is uh, the country of Germany. There is one country that worries me, though. Not Iraq, not Iran, not North Korea. The only country that really worries me is uh, the country of Germany. I don't know if you guys are history buffs or not, but... Uh... <laughs> In the early uh, part of the previous century, Germany decided to go to war. And uh, who did they go to war with? The world! <laughs> had never been tried before. And uh, so you figure that would take about five seconds for the world to win, but uh, no, it was actually close. <laughs> then, about, then about 30 years pass, and uh, Germany decides again to go to war, and again it chooses as its enemy the world. <laughs> And this time they have that guy, crankly, Crankly, that guy. And I'm not even going to dignify him by saying his name, but I think mean, you know I'm done. <laughs> but you'd think at that point the world would go, listen, Germany, here's the deal. You don't got to be a country no more on account of you keep attacking the world. So...
2: You see that video, you see the dog eating festival in, in China, what else was there? So, so far is sexual exploitation, animal, any other, kind, are you seeing also killing, are you seeing like live shooting? What, what else are some of the things you guys yes. are seeing?
1: Uh, there were plenty of live shootings. In fact, a lot of them came from the United States having to do between gang wars, people that would um, just have their cell phones out in the middle of a shootout. There would also be a lot of content from the Middle East of people that were um, stoning pedophiles to death or people that were basically just beating their kids until they were black and blue on the face and their eyes were popping out of their head. A lot of the content that had to do with the Middle East usually had to dealt with beating women and children or stoning people that they perceived as doing a wrongdoing. There was in fact this one video that I was working with content-wise And it was a person going to put a gun in another man's mouth and then pulled the trigger. And you could visibly see the innards going through the back of his skull. And I actioned it to delete it. And there was another person that like checks the moderators, checks the checkers, so to speak. And this person made the claim that what we saw was not actually the visible innards going out, but bullet fragments. And I made the argument that it's clearly white. These are skull fragments coming out of the back of their head. They're not silver, they're not bullet holes. And this person actually said that I was wrong and that video was allowed to stay on there because of that. So a lot of a lot more of the content had to deal with uh, sexual exploitation. A lot of it dealt with children that were online and they were basically being groomed by pedophiles to come meet them in person there was also an incident with organ harvesting videos. So a lot of these children in other countries were basically being ripped apart alive and they were having their organs taken out while they were screaming. And I remember how bad it was that day because everybody had to come into the main area and calm everybody down. There were like, People that were throwing up on the floor,
2: like people that were just screaming and crying. Wait, these are your co-workers who are throwing up on the floor?
1: Yes. And um, I remember one of our uh, team leads was telling us how we were going to be getting more graphic content, specifically because Facebook couldn't keep up with the amount that they were getting. So they were telling us that, like, the floodgates were opening. So we were just going to be dealing with graphic
2: content all the time in my department. How are you guys psychologically affected by this? When you're doing this eight hours a day and you're going home, how are you handling that? How is it affecting you?
1: Uh, I was actually doing this 10 hours a day, uh, specifically because they needed extra hands on deck for the extra two hours to do this. So I was there always a bit longer than most other people were, specifically because of the department I worked in. Um, Just talking about the mental health of the people that I worked with, it was not good within the building. So there were people that were smearing feces on the bathroom walls. There were people that were defecating in the sinks and the urinals. There were people that would just be like smoking, drinking in the middle of the day in their cars during their break period. There was always talk about people using the break room for sexual activities. There was always people that were bringing in all sorts of illegal substances to take while they were doing this stuff. Uh, Just the mental health of my coworkers was not well because of all of this. Uh, Specifically going through, we were supposed to have a counselor there, some mental health therapist to help. I was only able to see this person once, and it wasn't even the actual one that worked there. It was someone that was just filling in and i remember he flat out told me i don't know how i can help you guys because he did not know what to do he did not see the type of content we were seeing and he just flat out said i'm filling in but i don't know how to help you guys because all of this was new to him as well and i never met the actual person that was supposed to be on board with us every day and a lot of my coworkers I spoke with never met this person either. I'm not even sure if this person really existed, or maybe this person was only there like a few hours, a few days. So I have no real confirmation on this
2: person ever actually helping somebody through a tough time they've had there. Is a liability on Facebook or is a liability on cognizant technology solutions? And How was Facebook holding these guys accountable for doing their job right? Uh, So that's an easy question to answer. Facebook is not holding them
1: accountable. In fact, it was Cognizant that was the one that backed out of the deal with Facebook about being a vendor for their content. Facebook was not holding them accountable at all. Cognizant was able to do whatever they wanted without really any interference as long as a certain amount of content was being uh, looked at every single day. That's all that they cared about. They really didn't even care much about the accuracy ratings. They just wanted the number to go up to say, we looked at this much content. That was really what they were focusing on. What's Um,
2: successful? What percentage
1: is successful to them? So a percentage that was successful to them is they wanted each and every employee to do about 500 to 1,000 pieces of content every day. And... I was usually doing about 100 to 200 contents on usually a day where there was not much going on because going through this content, when you're in a specialized area, you have to not only just action it, you have to go through the internet, find out the source of it, if you can find it, verify if it's real or not, make sure you have the links, make sure you you say how you found it and then write up a report on it. So a great example would be like, I'm finding a lot of these terrible bestiality videos and I was able to find a bestiality website and I was able to find those same videos from there. So I was able to find the source of it there. So then I would write up a report saying that this was not an original Facebook piece of content. This was something that was taken from another website. And then I would write up my report saying why it would be taken down, what the actions would be, what it breaks in the policy. So that does take up a good amount of time, especially when you're basically going through the whole internet, looking for a piece of content like that. But there were a lot of times when my trainers would tell me, go slow, do it. You're doing great. That's why we promoted you. And then I would have the team leader telling me, no, you need more content, more content, more content done. And so I was getting two different perspectives on what I needed to do there. There was one that was telling me I needed bigger number. Of content, and then I had another group of people telling me that I needed to just focus on the accuracy of what I was doing because these were real people, real animals in these situations. It was really pretty much the ethical side versus the business side.
0: You're listening to Exit the Cult, only on Elf Tree Publishing. Now, enjoy the rest of the show, useless eaters. I'm Bill Gates.
2: So, so, okay, so when that happens, is like that video that took place where they left it on, did they leave it on in specific countries or they, did they leave it on across the board, anywhere, America, all of that? Or did they filter they, America out because that's the one place they didn't wanna leave on?
1: They left it on everywhere, all countries. And the specific reason for that is because Facebook has hyper-specific types of policies. And for graphic violence, what they say is videos that are not in a medical setting and you can see visible innards are not allowed. And so according to this, this was a video. This was not in a medical setting, but they claim that the skull fragments and the bit of brain matter that came out was not visible innards. So they said it could stay on. And so they allowed it. That was their reasoning behind it.
2: Okay. Okay. Uh, what other videos that obviously made no sense to stay on, they would leave it on? What other videos did you see where you're like, okay, there's like, for example, the pig video you talked about, did that one get taken down?
1: So that one did get taken down, but it got taken down specifically because that was not one that was in the general uh, area of where we get our content from. That one was in a private Facebook page. And this was what I really specialized in was that there were a lot of private pages and they would be named something like I love dogs or let's go bulldogs or anything like that. And so you would just see it. It would be like a very general name. You wouldn't think anything bad about it. And it was a private only page. So you could only go to that page if you were invited. So if you were actually invited I to that you. page, I you, you then realized that it was actually just a cesspool of specialized content that was horrific and disgusting. And what made it the worst is that these videos and these private pages, they were homemade. They were not from other websites. They were people that were making this, these videos and they were inviting people into the page to buy and auction the videos. So what the hardest part about that was, is that they were using the Facebook payment system. They were using other means of getting currency and they would have a horrific video such as the video of the pig and the girl. And people would actually bet an auction on how much, how much money so they could get the full video. And then that person that made the original video would also take requests from others and make content specialized to tailor, tailored to them. So that's, that's what I dealt with. And a lot of these, this type of content that was homemade by the parents, by the children, by the people that were making money off of it. This was stuff that was just in the private area of these private pages. And Facebook would not allow me to do anything about it because even if I wrote the report, even if I could prove that they were in America, even if I had their driver's license, their face, their license plate, their home address, they said that it would they said that it would look bad for them. And they said that an internal Facebook team would look at
2: it. And yet that same content was still on there. So are you saying if they really wanted to catch the bad guy, they could? but because it could figure out where it's coming from. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes,
1: and I figured out where a lot of the content was coming from. So did my coworkers that worked with me on the job. So it wasn't hard for you to figure that out? It was not because people put their names on their content. They will actually like, like make it a brand. They will be stupid enough to show their house, their home address. They are stupid enough to have their car license plate show up in the video. They are dumb enough to say their first and last name.
2: Even though this is a homemade video, you can easily send this to the FBI. But Facebook didn't want to do that. Why? Is it because they don't want uh, the users to feel uncomfortable that the information is being shared with a third party? Is that kind of what their alibi was? No. In fact, their alibi was that. They were saying that this
1: content going public would be bad for Facebook's optics. So they would just have an internal investigation through it, through Facebook's own team. And Hmm. obviously that went nowhere when you would see the same profiles, the same pictures, making the same content back the next day. Nothing ever happened to them and they're making new content to go with it.
2: Why do they want? Uh, uh, why do they want the stuff to stay on? Like, what's the purpose of staying on? So let me kind of give you my skeptical side, and you tell me if I'm on or if I'm off. So, on one end, I sit there and I give them the benefit of the doubt. They have so much content that's coming in; they just can't track all of it. It's it's like they can't even track all of it for the billions of postings that's taking place. So eventually, they're just kind of like, you know what? Uh, Man, we can't get to everything. So you know the whole 98% ratio, or the 80% ratio, whatever they got. Okay, so that's that. The next part, they put it in there and they don't take it down because they don't think fully it's inappropriate and they have an excuse or reason to say this makes sense to stay up. Or the next one is, it still drives so much traffic and eyeballs that indirectly it's helping the algorithms to help them stay number two website in the world And that helps with business. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what the reason will be to leave this stuff up.
1: The reason that I can say for leaving the stuff up is that Facebook in general has been staying stagnant in the amount of followers and the amount of people that sign up for it. And it's also been declining in the amount of new users that have been going on. Got it. it. So I think maybe part one would be Facebook is incredibly desperate to keep its own uh, demographic that it has, no matter how obscene and disgusting and perverted it is. Number two, I think Facebook would rather very much just um, put all this under the rug, not even deal with it, not do anything with it, just say we're going to do it, categorize it, file it, but never actually act on it. And I completely believe that Facebook is too much of a coward to actually go after these people that are posting this content on their own website. In fact, I think Facebook is more concerned with hiding it as best as they can and just pretend it never happened.
2: Do you think this stuff is stuff that maybe it's so far away from Zuck's hands that he doesn't even know this, this stuff is taking place?
1: No, he knows what's taking place because his hands are all in it. Like, this is his creation. And as we've seen through his multiple appearances with Congress and the way he speaks in any sort of interviews, he obviously presents himself, presents himself as someone that has his hands in all the, all the pies, so to speak. Um, what I think is the problem is, one, he... Facebook has grown too big and needs to be cut down into sizable chunks. Maybe they need to be operated by different individuals that are not affiliated with him. But the biggest problem I had was just the reallocation of resources was terrible. There was, so I talked a little bit about this AI that we were using that was trying to help with graphic content. What the AI was primarily being used for was looking at sexually suggestive photos not even photos that were sexual, not even photos that showed anything. It wasn't any pornographic images. So examples, like if there's a picture of a girl and she has her butt sticking out in the photo, she's wearing all clothes. The AI, the AI needed to know if that was a butt-focused picture or not. Or a lot of the times we would just look at the pictures and we would just identify if something was cleavage, as in the indentation between the breast. That was cleavage. There was another one of identifying women in swimsuits. There was another one that identified nipple or areola. So we actually had to train the AI to look at something and see if they could just identify the areola around the nipple. So this is what a lot of the AI resources were going to, not graphic violence, not child pornography, Not any of these terrible things. It was going towards these sexually suggestive photos and videos. And it was just a terrible use of the AI. There was absolutely no need to teach an AI how to categorize that content because none of that content was breaking any policy. Because even though we were working with it, we were never actioning that content because there was nothing ever wrong with the content. For some reason, they just wanted that categorized. It was ridiculous that they decided to put the AI to use that way.
2: So, so let, me, let me go a different direction here. So, we, you know, uh, uh, throw Alex Jones in there, throw uh, uh, whoever, whatever, you, you, you know, any of these other guys that are out there, throw Trump in there throw some of these guys that are, you know, banned from Facebook and they're not on Facebook. And first they took Alex Jones's company down, they took him down, right? How different do they treat threats of people that share ideas that they may not agree with? Whether as outlandish of an idea as it is as communism or, you know, anarchy or whatever it is. As outlandish as it may be, how do they process that versus the child porn and all the other stuff that they leave on there in their mind. Why do they think this is more threatening than the child porn content? So they deal with the politics more than
1: any of the other content I discussed about specifically because politics are a major part of us life and Facebook takes place in the United States. So Facebook has feels like it has this priority to take a look at politics over anything else first. And when I worked there, there were some instances with Justice Kavanaugh when he was having his confirmation and then there was Dr. Ford who claimed uh, sexual molestation at a younger age. Um, So that was one of those rare times that all of Facebook, all of the FBI got really involved because throughout that entire hearing process, there were people that were on the Trump side that were saying that they wanted to put like pipe bombs underneath Dr. Ford's car. And then there was this other side that they wanted to ram cars into justice Kavanaugh. If they, if they saw him and they were each like creating their own little terrorist cell deciding on wit on who to kill, who to take out for their political ambition. And I guess if I just had to go more straightforward with it, While the stuff going on is horrendous and terrible and it should be given absolute priority, a lot of the content I dealt with should be given that priority. Unfortunately, it seems like the politics and the extremism on both sides, and yes, I'm going to say both sides because what I witnessed on Facebook, the people on the left side were just as crazy as the people on the right side. A lot of that stuff has been bleeding into real world life And it hasn't just been staying on Facebook or on the Internet. And it's been actually being brought into real life actions and consequences. And so I think Facebook has maybe thought that that's a bigger deal of having these things come, these things be more straightforward, especially when a lot of these people are frequent users on their sites. And when they get public headlines, that looks bad for them.
2: So you said on the, on the right side, you said the bombs, Ford, all that, what, and you said it's crazy on the left side and the right side. What crazy things did you see on the left side? So for the left side, there was, mm, there was much
1: talk about how a lot of conservative women should have their genitals mutilated because they were claiming that these conservative women didn't deserve to be women for that reason, because they're not going with the feminist side. Uh, there was also a lot going on towards the gay rights where they were saying that they wanted to indoctrinate kids as early as two or three into gay rights act- activist group, which I am a person that stands for gay rights, but I'm not a person that would ever like go that far to someone that's just a young child. Uh, there was also much talk of grooming young children into being drag queens And there was also much talk going forward about how basically they wanted to start segregating Democrats and Republicans or primarily Democrats and Trump supporters and wanting to like slash the tires of their cars or like deface their housing or threaten them in public. And there was a lot of these actions that were starting to become real world consequences. And so, as I said, there are plenty of crazies on the left side that
2: uh, we're creating real-world real world harm. Now, w- what access did you have? And earlier on in the messaging, you said the general cue was photo, memes, text messages, instant messenger. So you guys were able to see what's being said in the instant messenger and text messages or no? Yes. Also, whatever we post there and we're communicating, you see all of it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Everything that's communicated here, if you wanted to see all of it, you can easily see it. Yes. And yes. W- w- you have access to who? Like, do, is there levels of clearance on who you have access to, want to be able to go see? Let me see if this one guy I don't like, let me see what he stands for. I'm going to go see what this guy's saying to this person here. Could you do that, or was there limitations to what they sent to you?
1: No. Uh, in the general queue, there were limitations. Where I was, there
4: were not. Willie. go down. Some better, some worse. Your mind's not gravy after you'd be the first. Welcome to the internet, come and take a seat. Would you like to post your real thoughts or get cancelled for a tweet? Go to QAnonsense nonsense message boards get labeled the clan. Befriend a fed, ignore his glow, trust the plan. Animation. Why the P900 watch the sunset? Don't be scared. When the skylights don't drop eight inches for every mile, you swear. Start a new thread on the blue spread. Find a patent on the shoe mission with GMO and new rest. Start a new thread. Here's a Bible reference on the vermilion pie. Here's why stars look like they're flickering in colors in the sky. Apple seed, sovereignty, and energy tax. But get deplatformed then you
5: bring up the.
3: Back
0: no-no word. Ivermectin. Hydroxychloroquine. Voldemort. So there you have it. One of the most disturbing interviews that I've come across when it comes to, you know, the mysteries of what is Facebook doing to moderate all of this crazy content that's being posted all over the internet and on their platform. It goes to show you it's not really ever a mystery whenever these platforms go down Typically, in my opinion, it's them wanting no one to share the information when it's fiery hot. Um, it's almost like putting out a fire right before it can spread. And so it's just interesting. From the beginning of the show, we talked about Jonestown. There is the death tape. So there is like 40-minute video that you can hear the actual tape of him giving his last sermon and basically telling everyone to drink the Kool-Aid. It's It's... The moment that everyone drinks the damn Kool-Aid. It is terrifying and sad people buy into that kind of shit, but they do. They do. People drinking the Kool-Aid, the COVIDians. I got to go battle some COVIDians. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. It was a fun one to put together. It's a little overwhelming at times just because there's so much information that I did not get to touch on. And um, it's just, it is what it is. Uh, One of my topics was Playboy. Playboy for the first time, I guess, had a openly LGBTQ gay man on the cover. And apparently that's history now. I don't know. They're making history, history books. Yay. History. Uh, I mean, I didn't even know people were still reading playboy, but anyway, and, uh, a couple more play, uh, NBA players speaking out. (laughs) I was going to say NBA playboys, but, um, yeah. So I hope you enjoyed this week's show. There is definitely something going on over at Facebook, something going on at Instagram. They're covering up for something and it's very disturbing. There's got to be something we as people can do just by being aware, just knowing what they're doing. It's either getting off their platform and finding another place to give our business right now. They are obviously the biggest company in the world, so it's very hard to avoid them, but it is just one of those things that we're all going to have to figure out together. So I've got to go have some breakfast with a good buddy of mine. Unfortunately, I'm probably not gonna be able to get into the restaurant because I don't have a vaccine passport, but I'm going to give them my middle fingers and wear my Anthony Fauci clown shirt regardless, because that's who I am and that's what I care about. Special thanks to James O'Keefe over at Project Veritas, Greg Reese, Patrick Ben David at Valuetainment over on YouTube. Check them out. Tree Publishing as always, and all of our listeners here at ETC. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please reach out to us at exitthecult at protonmail.com or visit exitthecult.com. As always, be sure to check out the description for show notes and links to articles and videos featured in the episode. Have a killer weekend. Don't be a killer. If you have an interesting story or information you'd like to share with our listeners, send us an email at exitthecult at protonmail.com. Please help support the show by becoming an Exit the Cult member over on our Patreon page for exclusive content and bonus episodes. Visit exitthecult.com for details. Tune in to new episodes on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening.